Hi y'all, welcome back to the first episode called Psych and the Factors of White Supremacy. So, I want to start off this episode by talking about two quotes that I have heard from two separate white supremacist groups. The first one is going to be from a popular group um, called the Proud Boys. The, their leader is Enrique Tario, and it's pretty funny because he is a man of Cuban descent who also talks about Latinos for Trump, and he has a lot to say about uh, being all male, all right wing, and all supportive of Trump and these white supremacist ideologies. So this quote comes from the context that this man took the blame for destroying uh, a black church and a couple of you know the city's property because they were supportive or you know were showing signs of supporting the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, I think to an extent, I don't think he was even there or he was actually charged for this because it wasn't him, but he was brought up in an interview and he was very strong and supportive of this. And I think it's important to listen to what he said in response. Um, he mentioned as his defense or his group's defense that if they want to get me for destruction of property, I won't even give them a fight. I'll tell them guilty. But then he called the a hate crime enhancement and overreach and attempt to silence us. So I think that um, they're so easily supportive of the law. So obviously he says that it's, a, it's simply a destruction of property, but he isn't able to see how this can be considered a hate crime, which goes to show the true extremes that white supremacists actually believe in and I think that whether you think that white supremacist groups exist or not or whether you think that they're real or not the real issue here is that these people are unable to see the flaws in their actions and that is possibly one of the most dangerous things and then another quote that kind of gives us a bigger leeway a clear leeway into their beliefs is one actually by the Northwest Front, which is actually an online white supremacist groups. Uh, white, online white supremacist groups have become more popular recently. And they've actually always existed, but they've become very popular because it's easier to say things behind the screen now. But anyways, um, on their website, on their page, they actually have this quote just up there for everyone to see. It's kind of like their proclaim for freedom, I guess. And it reads like this. We don't stand for hating people. We stand for freeing people, our people, from a yoke of tyranny and oppression that has become impossible for us to live with. We stand for preserving our race from biological and cultural extinction. Uh, these words are you know, very strong and they seem very patriotic and very oppressed-like. They sound like something that would come from a population that is oppressed and in danger and seeking to free themselves. And that is a leeway into how these people who join these groups actually see themselves. They portray themselves, portray themselves as a victim, as the oppressed, as people who are losing something. And 
I guess you can't really blame them because if we really think about it, racism is the distinction of two parties, the oppressor and the oppressed. In this case, the oppressor benefits and the oppressed is the one that lacks these benefits. So in this case, there is no equality and the oppressor has the benefits. So when you bring up the sense of being equal, that there is no longer the, you know, the, the indefinite line between the oppressor and the oppressed, between the benefits and the not benefiting, there's a line of equality. And that sense of equality is a sense of oppression to these group of people. So I guess you could see where exactly they feel that the oppression is coming from. But there's also a lot of factors that contribute as to why these people believe that these things exist, especially for them. So this is where a lot of the psychology and the things that we learn from listening to them come from. Uh, there's a word that I saw in one of our discussions with them, and the word is called acrasia. Um, I'm not sure that's how you pronounce it, but it stands for the psychological, you know, human things that happens when despite your rationale, which was despite your reasoning and all the thoughts and thinking that you put into your beliefs and actions, it's the sense that despite all that, in a in the spur of a moment, you know, a person can just, you know, overcloud that judgment and, you know, stick to their, that strong emotion, a strong emotion. Uh, that strong emotion can be hate, fear, um, you know, a sense of, paranoia or just disgust, any uh, emotion that is strong enough to, I guess, overpower this rationale in a person, that action would be called acrasia. And I think that this is a thing that affects everybody. It doesn't necessarily have to be to an extreme of, you know, racist beliefs, but just the, the psychology, psychological thing that a person can, you know, dismiss their all the rational thinking, all their conscious consciousness into reacting on a certain strong emotion that they have. And excuse me, in this case, uh, there's a lot of emotions that can be identified, especially in people who join white supremacist groups, um, whether they'd like to admit it or not, whether they will ever admit it or not. Just like it's hard for people to admit, you know, their own flaws. There's a lot of hate and fear and a sense of um, disrespect or humiliation that these, these white supremacist people uh, either have grown up with or have, you know, hidden to their, deep down into their guts that there's no other way to express it besides placing blame on others, projecting your own flaws onto other people uh, when there is no, I guess, no sufficient reason, when there's no either class battle, when there's no difference in any tangible thing, I guess the result to this actually invented phrase of racism, this invented class and label of race, which is actually another topic, but that's a very interesting factor that we have to consider. Um, a lot of people who join white supremacist groups are usually male, um, so they have this sense of uh, wanting to feel power, feel powerful, have authority, uh, stick to the patriarchy that men are superior and they have struggled to found this to find this either in their own jobs or in their own lives that they have to resort to such an extreme 
to have this sense of comfort and belonging and respect that they couldn't find anywhere else. Um, that actually came from the words of um, an ex-white supremacist who since then has taken steps and formed organizations to kind of dissolve these people and realize that these things don't really exist. And then there's also, there's also actual, I guess, psychological illnesses that could push people to join white supremacist groups. Again, this doesn't mean that racism is a mental illness because it's not. Racism can actually be considered a cultural phenomena or a result of being socialized into, you know, the shift or this, this system. But they, these mental illnesses can resist, can consist of either extreme narcissism or even parano- paranoid personality disorders. A lot of the people in these groups have shown signs of these or have even, you know, claimed or been diagnosed with these. And of course, the extremes are being put in extremes. Uh, hostile situations can uplift these illnesses. Um, racism in itself is hard to accept because it benefits the oppressor. And I guess in this case, it's kind of interesting to see how, um, you know, these kind of factors build up in white supremacist groups. But it's also important for us if we're going to try to hear them out and try to take steps moving forward. It's important to realize how they are not that different from us. And it's noted that people who join white supremacist groups aren't, you know, something from the extreme. At first, they're not different people. They're actually people like people that you would consider like your racist aunt Karen or your racist Uncle Joe, who you would say aren't racist, but they just say racist things sometimes. But just because they're not in a white supremacist group, you know, you wouldn't consider them racist. But that's how these people start off. These ideologies build up until it comes together as a group and feel the sense that as a group or as a kind of cult, they feel more important and more respected. And that's kind of how, you know, this whole shebang starts. But it's important to see that they're also still human. They're not something special. Um, Deep down, there's a lot of insecurities that they hold. And it's important to see that, you know, there's never a happy, self-confident white supremacist. You know, they're always looking to project anger or a sense of hate. And if you realize that, then we realize that they're not something special. You know, they're just like us. And I think that that is important if we're trying to take steps forward to attack and fix the racist problems or white supremacist ideologies that we encounter in our lives.